Well, good morning, Hope. Thanks for joining our digital platforms. If this is your first time, my name is Rick. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope. And if this is your first time, we are especially glad that you're uh, here with us or that we're here with you in your home. And so thanks so much for joining us. I'm sure for most of us, our Thanksgiving celebration that was just celebrated looked different this year. With a limit on the number of friends and family that we can see during the holidays, how some homes are facing financial pressure in this uncertain economic climate, social distancing, face coverings, which are certainly something that is brand new for us in this COVID world that we're in. Christmas 2020 is looking to be different also. It seems as if real life is crashing through what is typically a magical Christmas season for us. Uh, I was reminded two weeks ago, uh, I saw this on uh, social media, New York City's Christmas tree was being set up, and it looked like it was a struggling social, uh, uh, struggling event. Uh, you should see an image on your screen now for that tree. It's, uh, social media users, users went crazy talking about it. Uh, best, they said it best describes 2020, right? Just barely holding on, uh, trying to stand tall in the face of, uh, of all that's going on around it. Then uh, workers, as they were prepping the tree, found an owl in the tree. And this little owl had survived the tree being cut down. It's about the size of a, a soda can, this owl. And then it traveled over a hundred miles on its trek to New York City. Uh, it was rescued. It's been, uh, uh, has some care being uh, given to it. And they have nicknamed the owl Rockefeller. And again, I think it's a great reflection of 2020, right? We're down, but we're not out. So while there is news of relief on the horizon in the form of vaccines, there's still work yet ahead and the grim reality of infection rate, hospitalizations, and deaths seems to be forcing the joy and the hope and the love and the peace. It seems like it's forcing it right out of the Christmas season. So we thought we would spend this Advent season looking at Mary, the mother of Jesus, using scenes from Mary's life and Jesus' life as well, we'll see that there is joy, and that joy is often filled with warning, that hope is often tempered by reality, that love and indifference can be in the same place at the same time, and that peace can happen even when surrounded by noise. So we're going to learn from Mary, no matter the circumstance, whatever may be around us, that God is with us. So this morning, we're going to read part of the familiar, familiar Christmas story. It's from Luke chapter 1. It's going to be on the screen over my shoulder. And it says this, uh, Luke writes in 1, uh, verses 26 through 33, he says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's, Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph and the virgin's name, Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. God be with you. Luke continues the story, and he says this. Mary was thoroughly shaken. I'm not surprised, right? An angel has just entered her house. So she's thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like this. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear, which is what someone always says when you're about to have something happen that could bring fear, right? So Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name 
Jesus. Man, this is a life-changing announcement for Mary. She's just been told that she's going to become pregnant. Certainly a joyful experience, but in the first century, it could also lead to misery. Because Mary is betrothed to be married. She's legally bound to someone, but yet she's not yet physically with them. She's unmarried. So this joy can lead to upheaval. It could even lead to a potential death sentence for Mary. This joy is also filled with fear because will Joseph, her betrothed, her, her husband-to-be, her legally bound husband, will Joseph believe this story? Luke says Mary was thoroughly shaken. Yep, I'm sure she was. Because this is a story that's filled with joy and it's mixed with struggle as well. It's a story of joy and struggle mixed together. And in the, midst of this, in the midst of this joy, there is pain and suffering. So it's this mixing together of joy and pain and upheaval. And this first story of Mary and of this angel soon leads to a trek to Bethlehem, which then leads to a birth in an unforeseen circumstances, right? That's the no room at the inn. That certainly wasn't part of the plan. At least it wasn't Mary and Joseph's plan, but yet that led to the plan of no room at the inn. And then soon after, the family flees for its life and they have to escape to Egypt. This is a story filled with every scene, or every scene filled with joy and struggle. Now, there are not many stories of Mary and Joseph and Jesus as a child. There's really only just a few snippets into the life that this family had together. But there is a story that jumps out, and it, we have to go ahead about a decade to another snapshot of Mary's experience as the mother of Jesus. So Mary and Joseph and Jesus have traveled to Jerusalem for Passover. It was possibly Jesus' first Passover celebration in Jerusalem. See, Jesus has just turned 12, and because he's 12, he's now required to attend to, uh, the Passover celebration in, Ju in Jerusalem. So it's possible that this is his first visit. It's certainly his first visit since becoming of age. And Passover is this annual event. So in some ways, it's very similar to Thanksgiving. It's an annual event celebrated by nearly everyone around you with family celebrating together around a meal and remembering and being thankful. So they're headed home after this event, uh, after the celebration, and Jesus gets lost. Now, he's not really lost, but he's missing. See, usually while traveling, the women and the children in a caravan would start out much earlier than the men because they traveled more slowly. So the women and children would be headed out on their journey home. The men would start out later, they would travel faster, and then the two sections, the men, uh, uh, the men would meet up with the women and the children, and the two sections would then uh, spend the night uh, in a camp sleeping together. Now, no doubt Joseph thought Jesus was with Mary. Mary thought that Jesus was with Joseph and the other men, which is not surprising because Jesus is at that awkward age. He's 12. Do you know what I mean by that awkward age? It's sort of the bridge year in ancient Jewish culture. He's an adult male, but yet Jesus has just entered adulthood. I kind of connected to this idea of it's like turning 17. 
Do you remember when you turned 17 or do you have someone in your house that just turned 17? You've got a driver's license and you might even have a car and you may even have a part-time job and you have some freedom. But you still have to report to your parents because, well, you're 17 and you have a lot to learn yet. And so the next day, Mary and Joseph travel back to Jerusalem. Imagine that night's sleep. They've left their son in Jerusalem. Imagine how they slept, if at all. Or imagine the conversation while Mary and Joseph are now traveling back to Jerusalem to find Jesus who didn't go with them. How are Mary and Joseph feeling when they have to tell others, hey, we lost the Son of God? That's an awkward moment, right? So it's another day has gone by. See, it's taken three days total. One day they traveled. That's when they realized they've lost Jesus. One day they traveled back, and now it's taken a third day for them to find Jesus, and he's at the temple. And when they find him, he's sitting with the religious teachers at the temple. He's listening, and he's asking questions. And those who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And so Luke tells us the rest of the story. Again, it's going to be up on the screen. Luke says this. His parents didn't know what to think. Mom and dad, have you ever been there? You just had no idea what to think? Mary answers, uh, Mary says, son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Jesus asks, but why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with all people. Now get this, during what is supposed to be a happy moment... A celebration, an annual event where, we, where, where they gathered together and, and, and offered thanksgiving and remembered all that God had done for them. Joseph and Mary are in a panic searching for Jesus. In the midst of joy is misery. This joy is filled with upheaval. There's this mixture of emotions taking place in this story. It's... Um, what would it be like to find your lost kid, right? Have you ever been there? Mary likely wanted to hug him and strangle him at the same time. And Luke tells us that Mary stored all these things in her heart. This joy and panic, this joy and upheaval, she stored all these things in her heart. In the midst of pain and suffering, we can find joy. When we look for joy in this Christmas season. So what family traditions do you look forward to celebrating this year? And what new traditions can you begin? Because like all of 2020, we continue to have new cycles that are filled with ups and downs. 2020 has been this season of celebrating birthdays and weddings and graduations in the midst of struggle. It's this mixing of, of emotion. It's this mixing of joy and pain. And while this season we are experiencing may seem unique, and in many ways it is unique, it is more like real life than we might want to admit or imagine. 
See, I believe that the COVID pandemic has only highlighted what is our present reality this side of heaven. That all of life is a mixing of joy and upheaval. That joy and misery can be in the same place at the same time. That struggles and challenges are real and yet we can still find joy in them. See, this is in many ways our human story. That we are designed for a relationship with God, right? A relationship that's designed to last for all of eternity. Man, that's a joyful thing to imagine. But our brokenness interfered. And our brokenness fractured our world. And so what was meant to be a world and a life filled with joy also has turned into a life filled with hurt and pain and struggle and fear. And I believe that because we daily witness this division, because we every day experience this joy and pain at the same time, because we experience this joy and struggle in the same moment, it's easy to miss that we live in this joy-pain existence. That this side of heaven, the world's theme and our theme is joy and pain mixed together, joy and despair mixed together. But Paul says this. The Apostle Paul was writing to the Roman church, writing to Christians who were living there, and he said this in chapter 5 of, of his letter. He wrote, and he says this. It's up on the screen. There's more to come. Isn't that a good word? There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue keeping us alert for whatever God will do next he goes on and says this I love this part he says in alert expectancy such as this we're never left feeling shortchanged quite the contrary he says we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Whatever your circumstance, there is more to come. There is something better. Christmas is the signal to us and a reminder to us that there is more to come. Possibly you're experiencing financial difficulties or struggling relationally or maybe there's a physical need that has turned your world upside down. Maybe you're feeling like an old Christmas tree that is barely able to hold it together and can barely stand up. Or maybe you feel trapped and traveling 100 miles in the wrong direction, in a direction you didn't want to go or need to go. This Christmas, in the midst of a world in upheaval, we can find joy when we choose to look for joy. I think Advent is at this great time in that it comes on the heels of Thanksgiving. You know, we just spent Thanksgiving as a time to remember and give thanks, and now Advent is a time to prepare for joy, that is Jesus. Paul said it's with alert expectancy that we can find the love of God in every dark corner, and that there are glimpses of heaven right here on earth. And so my prayer for you this morning, like Paul prayed, is this. During this season of Advent, you can't round up enough containers 
to hold everything God generously wants to pour into your life. I pray that we would each find joy in the midst of upheaval. And in the midst of joy, there may be upheaval. But in the midst of upheaval, up, excuse me, in the midst of upheaval, we can find joy.